This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Turn with me real quickly. We're going to, we have, we have a certain place that we need to get to today. And so we're going to do a little bit of review, but we're not going to do that much. So turn with me real quickly to Romans chapter 10. And we'll just kind of uh, start with, with the foundation of this particular teaching. This is, um, you know, this, this is a, a, a reteach or, or this is actually practical application of the teaching that's already gone forth on setting things in order. And so this is a practical application of that teaching for setting things in order to win your family. And so when the word of God comes, it's, it's, it's powerful and effective. It, it will accomplish what it's set out to do. And so when we, when we look at what God has taught us about getting things, setting things in order, straightening things out, you know, the, the place that, 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 that it was pressed upon my heart where we most need to straighten things out is, is, is with our families. And so in Romans chapter 10, starting with verse 1, it says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant to God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves into the righteousness of God. And so I said that when I look at this particular scripture that, that I read this, that, you know, where it says for Israel, I just, I just replace that with my family. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God my heart's desire and prayer to God for my family is that they might be saved. Is that they might be saved. And so we, we mentioned that your, your family, it has a, a, a pivotal role in your personal victory in Christ. That you're going to have to recognize whether your family is a strength to you or whether they are a hindrance to you. You're going to have to understand how to manage these relationships. Because what you don't want is you don't want your family that just as the Word of God is taking root in your heart and as you're bringing forth fruit, you don't want the cares and concerns related to your family to choke out that Word. There, there, there are few things in your life that have the ability to, 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 to capture your attention, to take, to take your, your mind away from the task that you have set yourself to. And family is one of those key areas. Family is one of those key areas where you have to make sure that, 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 that family has been firmly set and established in place. We said that uh, when we talk about what does it mean to be set, you know, the example that I used was that in a medical sense, you know, when, when, when a bone is broken... The bone has to, be, has to be set. And so, you know, biologically, you're able to, you know, when your bone is broken, you have what's in you already to heal over that bone, to, to begin the mending process of that bone. But what, what can happen is that if you allow a bone to heal that has not been set, and what that means is that when a bone is broken, it can become displaced. 
meaning that the, 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 uh, the, the ends of the bones are no longer in alignment. And if you allow that, that bone to, to heal over, what do we call to, to play while, while you're hurt? To play hurt. If you allow that bone to heal over without first being set, that yeah, you'll have, you'll have you know, n- no longer any danger, but you'll lose the function. The usefulness of that limb won't be quite what it needs to be. And so what a, what a trained medical profession, what they'll do, professional, what they'll do is they'll, they'll take that bone and they'll actually move it while it's broken. While, it, while it's broken, they'll, they'll, they'll move that bone and they'll put it back into alignment, back into the place that it needs to be. And that's called setting the bone. And then once that bone has been placed in alignment, then they'll put a cast, they'll put a, a, a splint, they'll put a brace, they'll put restraints in that area so that the bone doesn't move around and get out of place until the healing is completed. And then you have the function restored. So that sometimes that, that when you have bones that, that, haven't been, that haven't healed properly, and there are deficiencies that the, that the doctor will have to go and actually have to re-break that bone so that it can be set correctly. So that it can be set correctly. Because if it's not set, then the limb won't function the way it needs to be. And so we need to set, we need to set our, our homes. We need to set things in order. We need to put things in proper alignment things that have been out of alignment, things that have been broken. These things that are causing us to not function the way that we should be functioning. And and, and yes, it means that you're going to have to to, to take that which is broken and you're going to have to adjust it and move it around. But this is needful work. And and, and even after you've adjusted it and moved it around, you're going to have to put restraints on it accountability and supervision so that that which was broken can heal and function properly. We said, well, what does it mean to to win souls? And we talked about how a wise person wins souls, that the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. Find that in Proverbs 11, verses 30. We talked about Nimrod, who was a, a mighty hunter of men, a mighty hunter before the Lord. And we said, we clarified that Nimrod's accomplishment was not that he managed a better way of harvesting livestock, but no, what Nimrod, Nimrod was a, a hunter of men. That he was a hunter of men's souls. And you see from Nimrod how, how the, the great establishment of Babel and the Babylonian Empire, the foundations of that, are set from what Nimrod put in place. And what he was able to do is that he was able to gather large groups of people and direct them towards common goals, common ideals. He was able to set the direction for the group towards that which was bigger than themselves, towards that which was bigger than the individual.
you know, these these are these are principles that that that, that are in the earth. And so we see that that Nimrod was able to to to, to gather these people in and to and to and to set their eyes on what they thought was greater. But as they began to construct this this tower in Babel, that they begin, they they saw they got an experience of who the greater one truly is, because the Lord came and He confounded their work. He confounded their languages. But just know that 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 when you when you win souls, it means that you're able to to direct. You're able to influence the majority. Does that mean every single person? No, but it means that the majority, all their eyes were focused on one place, in one direction. We talked about how, how David, how he was able to gather financial resources. He was able to gather allies from foreign nations. He was able to gather all the people of, of, of Israel, their hearts and their minds, towards building the temple. But David himself wasn't going to be able to, to, to complete the work. He needed to win Solomon. Setting things in order to win my family. He needed to win Solomon so that Solomon's heart would also be directed towards completing the work that David had made preparations for. It says, what does it mean to win, my, to win my family? The scripture talks about gaining your brother that has offended you. That's what it means to, to win your family. It talks about the, that the unbelieving wife can sanctify the husband. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We just have to go here. First Corinthians chapter seven, looking at verse fourteen, it says, For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband, else were your children unclean, but now they are holy. Jump down to verse sixteen, it says, For what knowest thou, O wife, whether thou shalt save thy husband, whether you're going to win your husband? Or how knowest thou, O man, whether thou shalt save thy wife? Whether you're going to win your wife? Winning your family, it means sanctifying the home. Creating the place for the Holy Spirit to work. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, just one, just a little bit page over, verse 21. It says that to them that are without law, as without law, not being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. So Paul is talking about that, that, that I, I, I opened up myself, I looked past the differences in personality. I look past the differences in our customs. I remain submitted to the law of Christ. But everything else, all those peripheral things, I consider as nothing. Why is that? So that I could gain those that were, that, that were outside and bring them into the covenant. This definition of, of winning your family, we went to Isaiah 
chapter 54, verse 10, it talks about that my covenant of peace shall not depart from thee. Neither shall the covenant, uh, my kindness shall not depart from thee. Neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed. So winning your family means that they identify in their core of who they are. That they identify as people of the covenant. That they're people of the promise. They're people of the they're people of the covenant, people of the promise. We say it doesn't mean that everyone's going to be born again, but it does mean that there's going to be a God mindedness whenever you gather. And just real quickly, I want to touch on we talked before about winning your family. It doesn't mean that, that you're not going to have personalities, that you're not going to have pressures, that you're not going to have problems. And I mention these aspects because these are the things that we allow to cause divisions and breaks in our fellowship. That we allow to separate us one from another. These are the things that, that we need to have gotten settled before we took communion today. Before we took the Lord's body. That you know what, Lord, all, all these, 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 these side issues, these quirks. That we're gonna we're gonna put those aside. Said so the personalities they come from individual preferences in terms of how you like to solve problems, how someone in your family processes information, how someone communicates. And I gave some examples last time. Last time, you know, and I, and I know y'all weren't feeling it when I said about jaggings, but that's okay. That's okay. That, that's that's just Brother Eberhard. So he said, clothing choices, hairstyles, if you like handshakes or, or hugs, if you are a planner or a doer, these are, if you are someone that writes things down or if you like to talk it out, these are all just, they're just, they're just differences in personality. They're differences in your personalities. We said that these are, these are personal, they're just preferences. Your personality is not who you are at the core. Remember, we're saying that at the core, I identify as a worshiper. My personality cannot interfere with that. If there's something in my personality that interferes with my worship, then guess what? Then I need to, I need to monitor that aspect. I need to make modifications. These things that we can do consciously said that, that, that these preferences, that you shouldn't look at someone's preferences as, as their motives, either good or bad. You know, that, that family member of yours that's always just going off and doing things, and it looks like to you like they're just going half cocked, where they're just, they're just always ready, fire, aim. Look, that, don't, don't, don't interpret that as a motive. That's just their preference. That family member that's always coming up to you when you tell them, let's just go and do this, let's just go here and let's go there, and they, say, and they, and they, and they, they slow things down, it seems like. They're always dragging their feet saying, well, let's, let's think about, well, what are we going to do first? And, and then what's going to happen? Okay, and then at the end, well, what about the children? What do we have set aside for the children to do? Listen, it's not... 
That's, that's, that's not, they're not motivated against you. It's not against you personally. It's just their, it's their preference. It's, their, it's, it's how they handle their environment. It's how they, they process information. We cannot allow these things to cause divisions between us. Every time I want to do something, they're always slowing things down. Well, they never stop to, they just always just run off and mess things up. Listen, do not allow these things to cause divisions. Don't, don't allow these things to cause divisions in your family. They're just, they're just preferences. Preference. We said that, that pressure, it comes from the, the outside in. Don't let what's coming from outside of the home break up the home. We said the economy, the government, racial injustice, the pandemic, these things, they, they, they come from the outside. You have no control over them. But what we, what we do have control over is our response. What we do have control over is how we gather in and wrap our arms around one another, how we hold up one another and look after one another. You can't control government policy, but you can make sure that if they cut off unemployment benefits, that your cousin still has food for her children. Don't, don't let these external pressures cause divisions in your family. Say, so look, there, there can be some real problems. There can be some real, look, family can have some real problems. And the way I look at problems, these are self-inflicted wounds. That's what makes them a problem. You know, if it came from someplace else, from outside in, everybody could be against it. But, but you did that to yourself. You allowed him in. You allowed her into the family. You brought that in among us. These are self-inflicted wounds. We talked about things like divorce. Divorce causes, listen, it causes divisions in the family. Drug abuse. These things cause divisions in the family. Fornication, adultery, masturbation. These things cause divisions in the family. We have to recognize these problems. We have to understand what they are, that they are, that it is not acceptable. It is not according to the standard of God. Where there is opportunity, we have to set these things in order. We have to set these things in order. And there is always opportunity. Listen, you may not be able to set things in order with the person that did the thing, but listen, the person that did the thing that brought that into the family, they're not the only ones impacted. Guess what? Your children were impacted by that. Your spouse was impacted by that. Your cousins were impacted by that. You're going to tell me that you don't have any influence in any of those lives? What kind of life have you been living?
God, God has put us here. We've been saying it on the ones we, we, we're, we're the salt. If the salt has lost its savor, what's it good for? If we can't preserve, then what, what, what good are we? We'll, we'll dig into that a little bit. Winning your family, it means that there's always, there's always, it doesn't matter what's going on, there is always a place of peace. There's always a place of peace. It doesn't matter who disagrees about what. It doesn't matter what's going on in here, but it doesn't matter what kind of problems we have on it, but there's always a place of peace. Winning your family means that the Lord, He is your God. The Lord is your God. Deuteronomy chapter 6, it says, verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. You know, there may be facts that are against your family. There may be statistics and test results and, and, and past actions and past behaviors. These are just the, these are the facts that are against your family. The system seems like it's designed to work against you and against your family. But just know this, that in the end, the king conquers above all. In the end, the king wins. It's not even going to be close. Know that if, if the Lord is your God that he is going to cause you to triumph with that you that we are included in that final victory Colossians 2 just go to Colossians 2 we're just taking a listen this this we're about to get some new information but you need to be certain that the work that you're putting in the labor that you're putting in and it is work and it is labor listen there, there there's a certain result you're not, you're not doing this hoping and wishing. No, there, there is a certainty to the result. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, it says, And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. It's talking about the Lord that, 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 that he took, verse 14, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. That it was nailed to the cross. And he causes us to triumph. To triumph. It's not even close. As we think about applying this, this this lesson about setting things in order to your family, there were four key items that, that we covered in a teaching. And one was that, that I'm prepared to, to set things in order 
when I can deal with what's lacking. We said that I'm prepared to set things in order when I can confront what will cause failure. It says I'm prepared to set things in order when I can strengthen what is lagging behind. And I'm prepared to set things in order when I can teach the standard. Listen, just take that and add in my family to each of those statements. I am prepared to set things in order when I can deal with what is lacking in my family. I am prepared to set things in order when I can confront what will cause failure in my family. I am prepared to set things in order when I can strengthen what is lagging behind in my family. I am prepared to set things in order when I can teach the standard in my family. So let's just dig into the first one, dealing with what is lacking. Dealing with what is lacking. You're going to need to address you personally. This is, this is your work. I know you thought we were talking about the, everybody else, but we're talking about you. I said earlier in, in my teaching last week that, that when, when you're talking about setting, that, that first you have to, to set the, you have to set the mold. First you have to set the, 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 the forerunner. Because if you don't set the mold, if there's a flaw in the mold, if there's a flaw in the teacher, then everything that's in the teaching will be flawed. If, if, if you haven't addressed that which is lacking in you, while your children are young, if you haven't addressed your spiritual lack while your children are young, when they're older and they're independent of you, you won't have any spiritual authority in their life. Listen, they'll still, they'll still call you mama, they'll still call you daddy. But when you say, let's bow our heads and pray, they'll be looking up and looking around. When you say it's, it's, it's time to eat, they won't come to the table. When you say, let me just, let me just pull you aside for a minute and, and ask you a couple of things about, about these items, these issues. They'll say, well, you know what? I'm, I'm real busy. Right? I'm in a, I gotta, I can't, I gotta go. Because I don't know you as that kind of a person. I don't know you as a, as a spiritual authority. You need to address your, your spiritual lack while your children are, are young. Otherwise, when they get old and they're independent of you, you're, gonna, you're not going to have any, any authority in their lives. Listen, time, time will not prevent me to, to talk about Abraham and how as an, as an older man, a man in his, in his 90s, weak in body, that he was able to command all those in his household, men 
of great strength, warriors, men, working men, rough men, those that were not even of his own loins, but those that were just employed by him, that because of the faithfulness that he had shown, that when, when he called them forward and said that we are going to be circumcised because the Lord, he is our God, that they, they submitted themselves. They submitted the most intimate part of themselves to be marked by the covenant of the Lord. And is it because they had seen the Lord themselves? No, it's because they had seen Abraham and his faithfulness to God. Time won't permit me to, 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 to look at, at Abraham's own nephew, his own family member, Lot. How Lot chose to, to move away and separate himself from Abraham's sphere of authority. And how while Lot maintained a name as someone that was considered righteous, he was not at all effective in winning his family. That when the time of judgment came for the city, and the angels said that we must leave, and Lot sent forth warning to his daughters and his sons-in-law, that they, that they looked at him as one that mocked. He said, I can't, I can't believe you're coming to us about this now. We, we, we see what you are concerned about. We see what you value. We've seen what you hold dear. And now you're coming talking about this, this God. Now you're talking about this God. Listen, that's Old Testament. Let's just bring it home to you. Go to Ephesians chapter 6. Let's, let's make it contemporary. Ephesians chapter 6, just starting with verse 4, it says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It says, Fathers, don't, don't provoke your children to wrath. But you have a responsibility to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. When we look at this word nurture, it speaks to correcting mistakes. You're going to have to show your children, this is, this is where you messed up. Let's, let's make it, let's get this thing in order. Nurture, it talks to, to curbing passions. You're going to have to work with your children. Listen, I'm not saying you, I'm not, I didn't say lecture your children. You're going to have to work with your children to curb their passions. That thing that they keep putting in front of their eyes, that's a distraction to them. Say, listen, I, I see this thing. It looks like you're, it looks like you're leaning towards this. It, this is pulling away your focus from where it needs to be. I'll be your accountability partner. Listen, let's, let's walk, walk with me. Talk with me. Let's, let's, let's work through this. Let's, let's occupy your attention so that, this will not occupy, so that this will not take up your mind space. This won't become a distraction for you. 
the admonition of the Lord, it means that you're going to have to give warnings. You're going to have to say, listen, I, I see where you're headed. And I can't stop you from going there. But I just want you to know that I know what's at the end of that road. I know what's at the end of that road. The, these, these scars that I have. These wounds that I have in my body. They come from that. When you look across our family and you look up and down the family tree, you know why we don't associate with so-and-so. You know why we're distant from this auntie. You know why, why, we, why we're, we're separated from this cousin. We only see them to say hi and bye. It's, it's because of that. There, there, there are things that, that, are, that you think you have a handle on, but you don't. There are things that you think that you can, you can bring into your bosom, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to burn. It's going to burn. In dealing with what is lacking, we're going to have to align our purpose. You're going to have to align your purpose with God's purpose. Line up your purpose with God's purpose. Go to John chapter 4. They say if you say something, you know, three times, then people will finally get it. If you say it again and again, people, they'll, they'll, they'll finally, and they'll, they'll, maybe they'll just get it for a little bit, but at least they, they got it for that time. Align your purpose with God's purpose. What, what is God's desire? What is God's desire? John chapter 4. I'm just going to start with verse 21. This is Jesus talking to the woman of Samaria. And they've, they've gotten past the, 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 uh, the, the introductory materials. They've gotten past the, 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 the personal conflicts. The, the surface differences. And now they're getting, to the, they're getting to the meat of the discussion. They've gotten past the, the problems that she got herself into. And now, now they're getting to the meat of the discussion. John chapter 4, verse 21, Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither worship, when ye shall neither in this mountain nor at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not. What? We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. Focus here on verse 23. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. God, God has a desire. Isn't that something you, you see you see these stories about billionaires and, and they say, Well, you know, I just kind of want to spend some time in space. And they just do it because they can. But God is the creator of all things, and he has a desire. God has a desire. 
His desire is for true worshipers. His desire is for true worshipers. In Romans chapter 10, where we started, we said that, that we're going to have to align our, our desires with God's desires. And Paul says that my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved, is that they might be true worshipers. You're going to have to align your, align your purposes with God's purpose. You know, God, God is not looking for multimillionaires. He's not, he's not looking for political leaders. He's not looking for community activists. God is looking for those that would be true worshipers. For he is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Align your, your purposes with God's purposes. We said that I'm prepared to set things in order when I can confront what will cause failure in my family. Confronting what will cause failure means that I need to set things in order with my family. Without placing myself as the ruler over my family. There's there there's a there's a there's a way. There's there there's a way that God has set out. There is a a means. Now in this world system, if you don't do what I say, then I'll make you do what I say. If you don't do what I say, then I'll punish you until you do what I say. If you behave in a way that I consider correct, then I'll, I'll show you favor. I'll give you advancements. I'll give you promotions. But in, in, in the Lord's system, it's not that way. In the Lord's system, it's not that way. Confrontation in winning your family, it has to be done with humility. It has to be done with humility and not self Exaltation. Listen, I'm going to give you this example. Go to Joshua, the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 24. This is towards the end of Joshua's course. He's, he's, he's bringing an end to, to the work that God has called him to. And he's giving charge and instructions. Listen, you, your, your family should never be without instructions. You should never leave your family without a charge. You should never leave your family looking back at your past victories. They should always be looking forward to what God has called them to. Listen, I'm just, I'm just saying we, we need to set things in order to win our families. Don't let it be said what, what Grandpa and what Grandpa did 
and their accomplishments and their, their, their mighty works. And greater works are not being done among the children today. Joshua 24, it says, And Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel and for their heads and for their judges and for their officers. And they presented themselves before God. Now, when I, when I, when I read this, I, I, I know I've seen it before, but I, I hadn't seen it quite like, like, like this. And so Joshua, he calls the leaders. He calls the people together. And, and quite often I, I see in, in, in families, I see people, the people, they all come together. You just need to offer free food. People, they'll all come together. Just, just, say, just say there's going to be free. You don't have to finish it. Just say free. They don't, it doesn't even matter what, what, what's free. Just say it's going to be some free there. And everybody's coming in. But Joshua, he gathered the leaders together. But what I don't see happening in our families that are getting together now, and Joshua calls the leaders together, but they presented themselves before God. I see a lot of people coming together. I see it's real easy to get people to come together. Oh, but are they presenting themselves before God? Are they presenting themselves? And I love the way that, they, that, that it's written. It says they presented themselves before God. It doesn't say that they presented themselves before the Lord. It doesn't say that they presented themselves before the one that was greater than them, that was mightier, that was, that was stronger. No, it says they presented themselves before God. Before the creator of all things. Before the Lord that said, let there be light. And there was. Before the preeminent one. See, a lot of people can call themselves Lord. And they can try to put on that facade. But there's only, there's only one Elohim. There's only one that can say, let there be light. And there is light. There's only one that can reach into the earth and bring forth his man. There's just one God. The people, they, they came when Joshua called, but when they came, they presented themselves before God. Listen, when, when, when the, your family is coming, when they're gathered together, and you're confronting what is what's going to cause failure. You have to be ready to do the will of God in your current situation. What does that mean? It means that there, there may be deficiencies that you see, that you want to address, but it may be that you are not able to address that particular item directly. You're going to have to do the will of God in your current situation. We said before that just because something is broken, just because something is broken, we want to go to, to that spot, to the, the center 
of that thing that was broken. But what we, we do is we neglect all of the outside influences, all of the, the, the external, what do they call it, collateral damage that's been done. And so we spend all of this time, all of this time, all of this time working with that cousin, working with that uncle, working with that son, only to see that, that the child in your own house is now following after that pattern, after that broken pattern. Only to see that same pattern repeated over and over and over in multiple spots. Listen, you're going to have to deal with the situation. You're going to have to confront. Be ready to do the will of God in your current situation. Go to Joshua 24. You're there. Just jump down to verse 15. This is Joshua. He's giving the charge to the people. He's letting them know this is the way forward. He says in verse 15, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Listen, Joshua says, I know you people. I want to deal with what I can deal with. I want to address what I can address. I'm giving you the warning. Now is not the time to be straddling the fence. Now is not the time to harbor secrets in your hearts. Now is the time that you need to make a choice. Now I know what you've seen. And I know what you've experienced. But you need to make a choice. You need to make a decision. I love that Joshua, he tells the people that, that you have to make a choice. So he presents, he presents a, a choice to the nation. But as it pertains to his house, he says, I, I know those that are mine. They recognize my voice. And another they will not answer to. I know those that I have won. I know those that I have gained. Those who've set their direction, who've set their focus and their attention. He gives the answer for his house. He says, as for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Listen, when Joshua, he, when he gives this choice to the nation, don't miss this. When, when, when Joshua, when he gives the choice to the nation, he can give that choice because the goodness of God was already known to them. Joshua gives them a choice 
Because they can make a choice. The goodness of the Lord was already known to them. Listen, if you're going to set things in order in your family, if you're going to set things in order in your family, you're going to have to be prepared to be that example of the goodness of the Lord. Too often we're, we're, we're shouting into darkness. And to those that have not had the same experiences that we've had, they haven't heard what we've heard. Listen, I'm talking about your family. Some of those divorces. Yeah. Those two got divorced. And guess what? He went to the church and she stopped going to church. And when she stopped going to church, she stopped taking the children to church. And he would take them to church, but that was kind of iffy. And when she started seeing somebody else, he stopped doing that. <laughs> that adultery, that fornication, there were some consequences from that. And because of those consequences, there was some shame. And now the God-mindedness that was in the family has now been broken. Now, now I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm ashamed to come around, even when free. Even when there's free. I'm, you know what? I don't even want to hear them talk about it. I don't even want to look at that. They, they always signify. That God-mindedness is broken. And so here we come, and we're, we're, we're gathering in. We're gathering in. We want to win our family. And we see that they're children. That there's brothers, that there's cousins, that they haven't, they haven't experienced the goodness of the Lord. The God consciousness has been extinguished. You are going to have to be that example of the Lord's goodness in your family. Listen, I know you want to be the judge. You want to bring the law. You want to be like Ezra and says, look, I found the books of the law. I found the books of the law. I challenge you to go back and read what Nehemiah and Ezra actually wrote. They didn't just find the commandments. They found the promises. They didn't just find where they had been in error for hundreds of years. But they saw that there was a place of peace that God had prepared for his people. 
You say, where's that place? That place of peace, it has to start with you. It needs to start with you. You're going to have to be the goodness of the Lord that your family sees. Philippians 2 and 13, it says, For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. God is working in you. God is working in you. God is, I said, if you say it three times, then you'll get it. God is working in you. He's working on your motives, on your desires, on your passions. He's working on your heart, both to will. Listen, it's, it's, I'm glad that you're crying, but, but God wants you to do his good pleasure. I'm glad that you're praying, but God wants you to do his good pleasure. You're going to have to be, you're going to have to demonstrate the goodness of the Lord in your family. Listen, you're going to have to, you're going to have to take a, take a, a minute and reflect on your story. They see you as you are now. They know very little about you. Your family, they don't, they don't know they only know a little bit about you. Excuse me. Your family, they're going to need to know that that the Lord has, has, has done a, a mighty work in your life. They're going to need to know that, that the Lord is, is that, that you are constantly humbling yourself to the greater. That you're constantly submitting yourself to the greater so that the work of sanctification can be completed. That you can become mature in the faith. Listen, you're going to have to know that every person in your family, their story is going to be different. You're going to need to know your story and know where God has brought you from, but just know that for the next person, it's not going to be the same way. So yeah, for you, it was the prayer meeting on Saturday night. And you brought them to that prayer meeting, and it doesn't seem like the change is happening in their life. For you, it was when God brought you out of that illness. It was when God delivered you from that relationship. And you help them to get back in good health. You help them to get separated and to, and to be apart from that poisonous relationship. But it doesn't seem like the same thing is happening in their lives. Just know that their story is going to be different than your story. But guess what? God is at work. God is at work. And he will not be defeated. We said before, the king wins. The work, the work, the work, the work that you put in, just know that it is not in vain. The king wins. When we talk about confrontation, 
again, we want to be the judge. We want to bring the law. But, but confrontation, you know what it really means? It means that you come alongside. It means that you come alongside and that you walk with. I liken it to a, to a swimmer that's in, in waters that are, that are too deep for them. They've gotten past beyond where they should be. And here you are, you come out to help them. Now listen, if you are a swimmer, you've ever tried to help someone that was in a, in, in a, in a situation, you know that you cannot swim for them. You can't, you can't swim for them. But what you can do is you can help them so they can catch their breath. You can help them so that they can catch their breath. And walking along, I can, I can, I can walk with you. I, I, can't, I can't carry your load. I can't, listen, I, I have my own house. I have my own family. I, I can't carry your load. That's what, see, people, they, they want someone to come in magically and either solve all their problems or just take away all their problems. But listen, the Lord is working through you. He wants to work through you. That's what our family needs to understand is that the Lord is working through them. They, they, they want someone to come in and write a check. They just want it to all vanish and disappear. But listen, I'm, I'm walking. I'm here with you. I'm not here to take it away from you. I, I'm here to walk with you as you go through it. I'm here to walk with you as you go through it. And guess what? You're going to make it. Stay with me. You're going you're gonna to make it through. You're going to make it through. We just want to drop the children off at Grandma's house. We just want to have all those, 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 those back rent payments and all those, those issues. We, want, we, just, we just want it all to magically be taken care of. I'll walk with you as you walk through. You want to walk through? You want, you want the Lord to work through you? I'm, I'm willing to walk with you. I'm, I'm willing to, to help you to be your support. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. You know, it would have been so easy for, for Joshua to, to, to call himself a king and a ruler over the people. All they had known was, was, was Moses. And, and, and the Lord had to make it so that Moses' body, his burial place couldn't be found or else that would be a distraction for the people and they would worship Moses' grave. And here... Here Joshua is at a point where, where God has called him to be a judge and the people, he could have allowed himself to be in a place where he would have been a, a ruler over the people, a king over the people. But he stayed, he stayed humble. 
says, you know, uh, the nation, nation, you have to make a choice. The king, kings can make the choice for the nation. But the judge says, nations, family, you have to make the choice for yourself. You, you've seen the goodness of the Lord and you know where you came from and you know what's around here. You have to make the choice for yourself. But there, there's some that, I, that I've won. There's some that I've gained. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. He, he just speaks for him and his house. Too often we want that family member that's just going to be the, uh, the, the boss of the family. The one that's going to take care of everything. And people want to, to, uh, to, to, uh, to send up, to assent, and to defer to. Well, what is, you know, what does Bay Brother say? Is, is, that, is, is he okay with that? They, they, they want someone to be responsible and on the hook for everything. But God has called us to, listen, we're going we're gonna to get there. God, your family can only stand by faith. They can't stand by your strength. They can't stand by your might. Your family can only stand by faith. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. First Corinthians chapter nine. Verse twenty it says, And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews, to them that are under the law as as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law, and to them that are without law as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. There's nothing like working out with somebody that's, that's, uh, that's more advanced than you, and, and they don't recognize where you are. They don't recognize where you are. They're, 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 they're pushing up 250. And then you get under the bench, and you're saying, can I just have the bar? Can I just add the bar? They're, 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 they're doing high knees, and you're like, I just need to walk in place. To, to the weak, I became as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things. Now, a good instructor tailors the workout to the broadest audience because they want, they want you to improve. They want you to finish. They want you to get stronger. I am made all things to all men that by might, that I might by all means save some. He says, look, I'm going to follow the will of God in my current situation. I'm going to extend myself. Listen, he, he, he doesn't say I'm going to pick and choose. He says, I am made all things to all men. To those that try to take advantage of me and those that are appreciative. To those that see it and are able to run with it. And to those that just 
can't seem to get it. They just don't seem to understand that I might that I might by all means save some. This is this is winning your family. This is winning your family. Listen, when you're when you're walking with someone, when you're confronting them, guess what? When you're walking beside someone, you are actually taking up space in their life, in their minds, in their hearts. You're taking up space with them. What you are is you're taking up the space that the enemy would have had. Don't be deceived. We have an adversary. There are those that that specifically look for the weak. There There are wolves that look for the sheep that are hurting. There are, even as the Amalekites, that, that would look for the, the old and the young, the, the infirm among the, the children of Israel and sought to attack them in their weakest points. Too many of you know that your family has been set upon by wolves. When you're walking beside, when you're walking beside your family, you're taking, you're taking up that space. That's, 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 that's why it's so, so beautiful what it talks about, you know, the, uh, the, the saved spouse and, and the work that they're doing in that house. They're, you know what? They're, 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 they're strengthening and they're, they're, they're occupying that space where the enemy would have had cause to come in. But they're there. They're there making intercessions. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. It talks about how Paul has sent the rebuke in 1 Corinthians, but the, the, uh, the situation has been corrected. And he's, he's talking about how to bring back the, the person that was corrected for, for this, this, uh, this, this sexual sin back into the fold. It says, To, to whom ye forgive... And, and I love way, the way he says it is because he's saying that, listen, it's not enough that we just deal with the person. But I need to deal with all of you in the church. Because it's not just that person that was impacted by this, but it's the entire fellowship was impacted. I've got to deal with all of the collateral damage. Second Corinthians chapter 2. He's, he's saying that, that now this person that, they, that they've repented, that, they've, that, they're, that they're in a place to be restored, says that now he wants the people's hearts to be where they need to be so they can bring these, these, these people back. They can, they can heal. They can heal properly. He's, he's addressing the church at Corinth. He says, to, in verse 10, To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sakes, forgave I it in the person of Christ. Paul is saying that, listen, if you forgive, I'm going to forgive as well. And it's not, it's not, it's not in my ruler, it's not in my position as, as, as a ruler 
but I, I'm, I'm forgiving in the person of, because Christ forgives. Because Christ forgives, I forgive. I don't hold it against them in my heart. And why, why, can't I, why can't I allow bitterness and division to take place in my heart? Verse 11, it says, Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant to his devices. That this is, this is the enemy's plan. That he wants to cause harm. That as we inflict harm upon the family, the enemy wants to take that harm and magnify it and set up divisions and controversies in our hearts. But listen, I, we're not going to let we're not going to let Satan get the advantage of us because we are not ignorant to his devices. Second Corinthians chapter one. Just one column over, it says that, verse 24, Now, not for that we have dominion over your faith. We're not rulers over your faith. We're not lords over your faith. But are helpers of your joy. We're walking, we're walking besides. My, my family, I'm walking beside you. Family, listen, I'm walking with you. I'm walking with you to help you to get through. For by faith ye stand. That's how we're going to stand. That's how we're going to win our families. That's how we are going to establish our families as people of the covenant. As people of the promise. It's by faith. It's by putting our total trust. Our total reliance. In him. Amen. This has been a teaching message. From Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry. Please go to our website. At livingwateraustin.com. Thank you.